Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green here on AM60, The Answer in the Golf News Network. This is the show, of course, where we talk about golf and the interesting and fascinating people who actually share the same passion you and I have for the game of golf as everybody does out there. Before we get to our guest today, um, we'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef for making this show possible Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and also Gunter Wilhelm Knives, unmatched quality, comfort, and efficiency for enhanced productivity in the kitchen online, GunterWilhelm.com. Well, we've got John Sherman with us today. John. Hey, Jeff. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Now, John owns a website called Practical Golf, and he's the author of a book called 101 Mistakes That All Golfers Make. I read the book and I make these usually by the eighth hole on my round. I've done all of this. So we're going to talk about the book, but first of all, I want to talk about John. How did you um, come up with the idea, get inspired to do the website? What caused you to do it? What provoked you to do it? Um, I guess the reason I wanted to do it was I just wasn't satisfied with a lot of the game improvement advice out there. Yeah, I felt that it was, too much focused on the mechanics of the golf swing. Um, there's just endless information on the golf swing now, and there wasn't enough information on how to actually play the game. And, you know, my angle that I was coming at it from was from a golfer's perspective. So I wanted to talk about the ways um, that I felt golfers could really improve, not to say that the swing's not important. It is, but other topics like how you practice your strategy on the course um, your mental game, and, and probably most importantly is just managing your expectations properly about golf in general, which really can help you enjoy the game more and, and even play better. Um, so those were kind of the four pillars uh, of the things I wanted to explore right. over the last five and a half, almost six years. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough that that message has resonated with enough golfers that, um, you know, millions of people have been on the site at this point, which is crazy. And, you know, I get messages all the time and interact with golfers um, because I think, you know, again, my angle is coming from a player's perspective. I'm not here to teach you about the golf swing. I'm, I'm here to teach you how to manage your game and be a happier golfer. Um, so that, that's really the gist of what I'm doing. And I just, I love helping golfers. I mean, golf is, is a huge part of my life and uh, I love um, I just love helping golfers get better at the game and have more fun. You know, I think you said two very important things there. One is there's a ton of information on your golf swing. And if you go take a lesson, they're going to work on your golf swing. 
Um, and that's great, except for the fact that if you pick up Golf Digest and Golf Magazine <laughs> at the same time, and they both have an article that says how to cure your slice, there's they're actually uh, opposing techniques at times. Um, you know, and like you said, there's a, this is just my theory. There's a lot of information about it, but it's also conflicting information at times and it's complicated information at times. And most people that play the game of golf, uh, in my understanding, they're not going to go practice four and five hours a day. They don't have time to do it. They're, they're, you know, weekend warriors, um, and so I find that very interesting. But the other thing that you said is most most people don't know how to actually manage and play the game. You see that a lot on tour. Um, and I, you can address this, but you see that a lot on tour. Guys come up through the Corn Ferry uh, or the mini tours and the same in the in the LPGA and they get up there. But some of them never really learn how to, quote, play the game. I want your thoughts on that. Um, it, it's an extreme example, but it, if you talk about like strategy for, um, as one part of it, you'd be blown away. Um, you know, we have advanced analytics now on how to manage, um, your game on the course. And that, that's really, you know, Mark Brody's really responsible for changing that. And there's some other coaches out there sure. um, who work with a lot of tour players directly. I, I've heard anecdotal stories where major winners, someone who's won a major has gotten information today about the game of golf, I won't get into specifics because it was told to me in confidence, but um, they learned something today from advanced analytics and their response was, wow, I wish I had learned that 30 years ago when I first started out on tour. And it wasn't terribly complicated. Um, so the point is, is like, yeah, even at that level, there's parts of the game that we understand better now on how to play more effectively that we, you know, we just didn't know two, three, four, five decades ago. And, you know, you can't take it for granted. So uh, I try and share a lot of that information with readers of the site, you know, stuff that I've picked up from the latest research and great coaches that I've learned from sure. and even from my own game. Um, but yeah, there's really no piece of information in the golf world that I would assume that any golfer would already know, because even at that level, they are learning something new just because when you take up the game, no one sits you down and explains all of this. It's mostly about the golf swing, which is totally fine. You do have to learn how to swing the club effectively. But again, you got to learn the other parts of the game as well. And that's what usually is glossed over. You know, I, um, I, I come from a different sports background and was in that, that world for a long time. And the one thing you could always tell when the top guys, they knew how to get the proper position. They knew how to make the proper uh, appearance, if you will. They, we called it a pass when you're going down the rail. I was in the horse world, show horses. And, you know, you could tell the guys that, that you know, were always jockeying for a position and looking for that and going to make that one last big pass in front of the judges before the class was over and that. And then you could always tell the people that were just out there, they were probably having fun, but after they got their butt kicked, you know, 50, 60 times, it really wasn't that much fun for them because they, <laughs> they, you know, it was expensive golf's expensive in a way. And yep. you, you know, you go out there and you do this 
And it's kind of human nature to want to get better, to develop your skill level to where you can play. You No, you're probably not going to, you know, be the first seed at the U.S. Senior Amateur or something. But uh, you can at least go out and have fun and not make the game miserable for you. And uh, unfortunately, I see a lot of people that actually do that because, you know, they go out and they shoot between 110 and 125 every round. Some of them are happy as clams. And I say, great, you know, more power to you. But then the other ones that get frustrated because somewhere along the way, they got lucky and they shot a 95 and, but they can't do it consistently. Yeah. And that, and that's, that topic is really my rallying call because I used to be one of those golfers who um, really mismanaged their expectations and felt that I could shoot scores that really I wasn't entitled to. And for years, um, I was really an unhappy golfer. I would go out there, I'd pay my greens fee, you know, spend six, seven hours getting to the course playing and, and not having much fun. And I just said to myself, what am I doing here? You know, yeah. why would you take that much time out of your day and spend that much money to be miserable? Um, so one of my jobs is to help everyday golfers, like you mentioned, the weekend warriors have a better understanding of what are reasonable outcomes for them on the golf course based on their skill level and the amount of time they have to devote. For some golfers, I would just say, if you don't have enough time to practice and play, just go out there and have fun. You don't even have to worry about the score. Enjoy right. your time outside. You want to have a few beers with your friends? Fine. Go for it. It's when you start mismanaging your expectations and you're expecting to maybe hit those shots you see on TV, which again, that's really a highlight reel. I think professional golf has really ruined a lot of golfers expectations because they're showing the best, best shots from the best players. And you go on a golf course on the weekend and you see a bunch of golfers going nuts over shots that are actually quite reasonable. Um, I mean, that's a very deep topic and I try and explore it in many different ways on my site. Um, but that, that really is when you can get to that part of the game where you can match your expectations to your skill level, I think that's where the fun begins. Um, and that's really hard to do. I mean, I, I still struggle with it myself in my own game. You're never perfect at it, but I think it's something to work towards. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with John Sherman in just a minute from practical golf. Please stay with us. I'm JT. Today, we're talking with John Sherman from Practical Golf. I'd like to thank the folks at Langdon Farms Grill. Every Friday night, they have their prime rib special down there at Langdon Farms Grill. You should check it out. If you want to email us, it's very simple. Info at grillingatthegreen.net. Info at grillingatthegreen.net. And we have a Facebook and Twitter pages. And the show is now on 16 platforms out there, podcast version, besides the radio stuff. So we're out there. We're talking with John Sherman. Um, from Practical Golf, huge website, lots of stuff on there, and his book, 101 Mistakes All Golfers Make. One of the things that that really struck me in your book, and other authors have touched on this too, but I think in the practical nature of your book, John, it's like, don't beat yourself up. You know, we're talking about this in the last segment about expectations. I think some people get out there 
And you can just see by the fourth hole, they're so tight and wound up that they're they're not going to hit the ball properly. If they do, it's going to be like one out of every six shots or something. Um, you know, I think they should relax and enjoy themselves. Yeah, it, it's really that that is the hardest part of the game to wrap your head around because again, no one sits us down when we take up golf and says, "Okay, this is what you can reasonably expect out of the game." And it's a tough thing to answer because everyone comes at the game with different athletic abilities, different time constraints. Um, so not everyone is going to reach the same level, but you know, that doesn't mean the great thing about golf is, is that it can be enjoyed and played competitively at so many different levels. You know, someone who shoots a 98 might experience the same joy as someone who shoots a 67. Um, and those are reasonable outcomes for their skill level and, and time investment sure. in the game. Um, it, again, it, but that's also one of the pitfalls of the game is when you, you know, everyone asks you when you're done playing, what'd you shoot? They don't ask you, did you have fun? There's always a number attached to what you do on the course. And unfortunately, and I've fallen victim to myself many times is using that number as a litmus test of whether or not you had fun or not. And, you know, I made a decision years ago that I was going to have fun no matter what I shot. And that was really a, a game changer for me. Um, not to say that I'm not competitive. I, I play a lot competitively and I'm trying to be the best golfer I can, but there are days when I don't play well and that's just a reasonable outcome. There are days where things are not going to go well. And when you talk about the golfer who, you know, tees off, they're on the third hole, maybe they made a couple double bogeys, they hit a bad shot. The worst thing that can happen is they just, they just give up on the rest of the day. Yeah. You know, there's, there's maybe three and a half, four hours left and they're already, you know, pouting to themselves and their buddies <laughs> that the day is lost. And that, and again, I've done that myself too. So guilty is charged. And it's, it's just really unfortunate because then you get back to, you know, thinking from the top level down, like, what am I doing here? <laughs> right. You know, would you go out to, uh, you know, would you go out to dinner with your wife or go out to a bar with your buddies or whatever you do for fun and leisure and declare the uh, activity a failure <laughs> 20 minutes in when things didn't go the way you thought they would. Sure. It's not a perfect example, but you know, the point is, is if you're going to earmark that amount of time in your life to do something, um, try and have fun. You know, that that's always my, my number one recommendation is like commit to having fun first and foremost. And when you do that, it's actually amazing what's possible because then your whole approach and attitude towards the game can actually lead to better play. If you're not sulking that early in the round, <laughs> I pretty much guarantee you that, you know, you will probably be posting better scores because you'll have a better mental attitude. Right. Um, as you approach the ball for the rest of the round. So it is, it is important and it's hard to do. It's very hard to do um, because we know what this game can do to us. Um, but it's, again, it's, you know, one of my main rallying calls is, is helping golfers overcome that hurdle of um, self, uh, you know, whatever they just they beat themselves up too much and, and i know exactly what it feels like it's not very fun let's uh jump over to um instruction for just a little bit um sure i know you're not you're not talking about the golf swing and that but you know i gave the example at the top of the show about golf and golf digest and conflicting articles in there yep your your observations on people that are just getting into the game and you know, they might not even know what the definition of a slice is, but they figure it out pretty quick or somebody tells them like that. So they go grab one of these magazines and it's like, OK, what we want you to do is we want you to put your left foot three and a half inches exactly behind your right foot. Hold the T with the pointy 
under your armpit with the pointy part, point, you know, sticking in your side. And then we want you to do this with your club. Um, of course, I'm being facetious, but that can that can make people kind of give up right away too. some of those things. In your situation, you're like, hey, just take it easy and work through it and you'll make it. Um, so I have a few thoughts on instruction and, sure. and I don't want to come across as I'm anti-instruction. I'm actually very pro-instruction. Um, the problem that exists today is that we're well beyond just golf digest and golf magazine. You know, you can go on YouTube or Instagram and find literally tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of instructors giving swing advice on there. And the interesting thing is, is that there's more great information about the golf swing than ever. There's some really good coaches on YouTube who are giving away information for free. I'm friends with a lot of them. Um, and they do an excellent job of communicating a lot of great concepts about the golf swing. The main pitfall that I tell golfers is continuity because you're only one click away from a different voice. You mentioned, you know, conflicting messages earlier. Sure. And that's the main problem. Um, the golf swing, I believe you need to, have continuity and communication, meaning I would love for all golfers to take lessons when they first take up the game. I did, and it helped me tremendously. And listen to that one voice. If you find an instructor that you like, they can make your path in this game more efficient. They could find your swing flaws and give you drills on how to fix them. And if you put the work in, I think you're going to be on a much faster path to improvement than if you went on it on your own. Right. But now today we have golfers who will take those lessons and then they'll go on YouTube and listen to seven different videos from seven different instructors. Again, not necessarily bad information, but it's conflicting information. So now they're going to the instructor and be like, Hey, I watched this video. What do you think about this? And then the worst part is they get on the course and when they're about to hit a shot, they've got all these ideas of the golf swing floating in their head. And there's no way you can make a confident golf swing with that. Um, so my main recommendation to anyone who does want to get better from a technical standpoint and improve their swing, I do like lessons because you're going to get personalized, customized advice. And if you're going to do it, you know, stick with the same coach and make sure it's someone who resonates with you. Sometimes you don't find the right coach in the beginning and you need to try a few. But when you do, um, I would stick with that one voice. We are going to take another break. I'm going to be back with John Sherman from Practical Golf and his new book, 101 Mistakes Every Golfer Makes, including the host of this show, because I, out of 101, I've made 107. Uh, we'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green here on AM860, The Answer and the Golf News Network. I'm JT. We're talking with John Sherman today from Practical Golf. Um, get back to John in just a second here. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Pills, Painted Hills, not Painted Pills, Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended. Also, the folks at Ben Hogan Golf, uh, tour quality clubs at factory direct prices. That's BenHoganGolf.com. And don't forget, we've got the... Uh, Portland Classic coming up, the Cambia, the LPGA event. It's There'll be no public spectators, but we'll be bringing you reports on that. And also uh, the folks at Birdie Ball. Birdie Ball is the limited flight, uh, limited flight practice golf ball. I have a set of them in my backyard. They only go about 40 yards, and they're kind of fun to hit because they make a little whistling noise when you hit it right. Uh, Birdie Ball is the best golf training aid invented in this century, according to John. Um, create your own, not 
this John, another John. Uh, create your own backyard driving range. Find out more at birdieball.com. Okay. Uh, we're talking with John Sherman here from Practical Golf. Out of all the 101 things in your book, John, what are the top two or three that you think people suffer from the most? Oh, that's, that's a tough question. Uh, maybe I'll go outside of the, the scope of my book at this point. Sure. It's hard to remember every single one. Um, I, I would say, you know, let me talk about strategy first. I think one of the biggest strategic mistakes all golfers make, and I definitely allude to this in the book, is that they assume on approach shots that their target is the pin. And I don't know why that is maybe because it's the only thing sticking out of the ground and the uh-huh. mind just naturally focuses on it. Um, but I have you know one piece of advice that I give almost every golfer that I know can shave strokes off your game is if you committed to just aiming at the center of every green and even playing towards the back yardage, if you had a GPS device, you would know what the back yardage is. Um, I could pretty much guarantee that, 70 to 90% of the people listening to this would lower their handicaps if they just accepted that piece of advice. It's incredibly simple and it seems too good to be true. Um, but it's really the discipline and execution of sticking with that, um, piece of advice that I know will lower your scores. You'll hit more greens and you'll make more pars and you'll reduce the amount of bogeys and double bogeys, which is really what I'm trying to do for most golfers. That, sure. That's what is really preventing most golfers from getting better is the bogeys and the doubles and worse. Um, so I would say that not aiming at the pin is probably the best piece of advice I could give to any golfer to instantly shave some strokes off of their score. Yeah, I would say that. And what about fear of like the sand traps? I'll, I'll give you my own personal thing on that. And not that you asked sure. for it, but I'll give it to you anyway. For years, I was kind of like, oh, the trap. Oh, the trap. This was a long time ago. And then we were at the beach one day um, when I first met my wife. And I took some golf balls and I took like a 56 and a 60 degree wedge. And I was just out there hitting them. Well, I was hitting them on the wet sand, which was hard. And then I moved up away from the water line and was hitting them in the soft sand. And I thought, this isn't that tough. If you just relax, hit behind the ball and, you know, let it go like that. That took the, that little hour of messing around on the beach, took the fear of the sand trap out of my brain. But I think sometimes certain things with water on the left, sand trap, whatever, I think that causes this, you know, um, kind of rubbernecking like if you see a wreck on the freeway you, you really should just drive if you're in the other lane just drive straight don't look at it well but we can't that, help that it really is um you know when i get back to you know thinking about targets and becoming a better course manager which means you know strategy right um part of that is having a plan before you tee off so you know exactly what your rules are so to speak when you approach a shot and when I tell someone, just aim at the center of the green, it removes a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. They don't have to think about, oh, maybe I should aim a little bit here or there. You know, for, for golfers of almost all levels, um, they don't have to get too fancy with where they're aiming. And really, I'm trying to communicate to the average player who is, you know, the golfer is trying to break 190, maybe even 80. 
Um, when you're at that level, you don't need to get too fancy with, with um, where you're trying to aim the ball. So if you knew I'm just aiming at the center, that's my target every time, that will help remove the stress of thinking about the problem areas. Yeah. Um, and that, when you have a framework to work off of and a plan, that frees you up on the golf course to just do what you're supposed to do, which is step up and hit the ball, not spend a bunch of time beforehand hemming and hawing over where you should aim um, and all of that stuff. I'm trying to remove variables and simplify things for people. And that that's really what a good course manager does. They go in with the plan and they execute it and they don't deviate from it. Right. Is it, you can, you can correct me on this stat, but isn't it something like, <clears throat> excuse me, 80% of the golfers can't break a hundred. So I don't know. I don't know if it's that much. Um, I think, you know, the average handicap, which, or maybe the median, the, the middle of the pack um, for, I think a male golfer in the United States has always been around 13 to 15. And that's uh-huh. not an average. That's your, um, that's what your potential is. Right. So that means that that golfer has the potential to shoot around an 80, five to an 88 on a neutral golf course. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of golfers absolutely have the ability to break a hundred. And I think most golfers, uh, you know, Ben Hogan said he always believed that all golfers he's ever met have the ability to shoot in the seventies. And I really do believe that, you know, it would take a lot of time and work for some people, but um, it doesn't require um, incredibly above average athletic skill that helps. But, you know, if you really do manage your game properly and put the right kind of work in and play enough, um, I absolutely think all golfers can break 190 or even 80. Um, You just need to have the blueprint to get there, which is, I think, missing from a lot of players because, again, no one sits you down there and gives you that blueprint. Well, and if you think about it, um, bogey golf, you're going to either shoot anywhere from an 88 to a 90. If you shoot bogey, bogey golf, you know, and and that's really what I, you know, my, my motto is um, for the site is uh, I'm fighting the war on double bogeys. And that's what I'm really trying to get golfers to do is because everyone thinks better golf is about birdies and pars. It's really not. It's about eliminating those big numbers. You know, bogey's a very good score on a lot of holes, but if you chase par or birdie, that's when the big numbers come in and that's how you end up shooting the 105, the 110 or whatever is a quote unquote bad score for you. It's, it's more about better golf is more about limiting big mistakes than it is executing hero shots or even shots that you would see pros hit. Um, That's one of the biggest misconceptions about the game that I try and clear up. Sure. Uh, Speaking of misconceptions of the game, here's Bruce Furman from Langdon Farms uh, with his golf tip of the week for you. This is Bruce Furman. I'm the uh, director of instruction out at Langdon Farms Golf Club. And today's tip is just how to start your backswing. Um, Most pros have what we call a forward press. This is usually done with with their body rather than their hands, although sometimes people do use a hand press, but they they kick their right knee in or they lift their right heel and set it back down, or sometimes they have a slight press into their left leg. And then the, the, the takeaway is a movement to the right. And you'll see actually that, and you have to look at it on video to see this, but you'll actually see the pros actually move slightly before they even 
start the club back. So they move to the right and then let the rotation happen. And you, it, it's a subtle move, and you have to be careful not to sway. you got to keep your right hip inside your right foot. But develop a little forward press and then move off the ball to the right to start your swing, and I think you'll play better. Thank you, Bruce. We appreciate that. You can find out more from Bruce and about Bruce at the Langdon Farm website. Just go on there, click on the instruction, the the um, drop-down menu will come on there, and you'll see a picture of him, and you can take one of his clinics or do private lessons. Uh, reach out to him that way. Um, also, if you'd like to email us again, it's info at grillingatthegreen.net. Um, and we're going to be, watch the social media stuff, because we're going to be giving away some prizes from Snell Golf here very shortly. Uh, John Sherman and I are going to be back after these messages, so don't go away. You're listening to Grilling at the Green on AM860, The Answer, and the Golf News Net. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. So glad you're with us today. Uh, we've got John Sherman from Practical Golf. You've got all kinds of stuff on your website, John. Um, mm-hmm. You you've you've got some different deals for different products and things. That's great. But you've got great information on there. How much is this? What you do full time now? It is. I'm I'm fortunate enough to say that it is my full time job. That's not a bad gig if you can get it. Yeah, it took a lot of work. Um, still requires a lot of work, but um, you know, I just uh, again, I, I'm very passionate about helping golfers. Um, I believe in what I'm doing in terms of the information I'm giving out. So, you know, if anyone's interested in going on the site, there's almost 400 articles on there on those topics that I discuss. Uh, and I wouldn't suggest reading them all at once. But <laughs> you know, when you, it'll, it, what I was trying to do is point golfers in the in the right direction on certain areas, like a, you know, sure. a practice, for example. Um, you know, you just don't show up to the range and practice. A lot of people make that mistake and think they're going to get better. Um, you have to put the right kind of practice in. It doesn't require hours and hours. So that's you know, I take that topic and probably written fifty different articles on how to practice more effectively. Um, so, you know, luckily that, that information has helped golfers and, um, and I'm just going to keep doing more of it because I like it. You know, I've, I've got something I want to run by you on that. Um, you heard me talk about Langdon Farms on the commercial breaks and stuff, and that's fine. And um, that's kind of my home course. I think of it as my home course, even though I live next to another one. But my, a lot of my friends, it's easier for everybody to meet there to play at Langdon, okay? But you see, guys, they've got a great driving range there, especially in the wintertime. It's covered. The stalls are covered. Um, you know, great big open area that's marked and yardages and all kinds of great stuff. But I will see guys down there just pounding balls. I mean, yep. you know, they'll get a large bag or a large bucket, and I don't know how many's in that. I'm guessing probably 80, something like that. 
And but I don't really know because I've never asked him to count one out for me. But I'll see guys down there with two or three of those bags or buckets, and they're just. Yeah, I used to be. I used to be one of them. Yeah, and <laughs> what? But it just seems to me they're just hitting them. Just boom. Yeah, they're. That's what I call a zombie range session. They're just going through the motions. That to me that that seems like. Honestly, it would do you more harm than good on a, on a various levels. Uh, it can, you know, if you're just hitting the ball over and over again and not changing anything, you're, and you've got some maybe bad swing tendencies, you're just ingraining those tendencies deeper into your swing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, practice is an important topic because it's not the quantity. Uh, this is a cliche in, in a lot of different areas of life, but it's not the quantity, it's the quality. Um, I don't, I'm not someone who loves to practice for hours, but when I do practice, you know, I'm working on specific things that I'm noticing on the course that I need to like tidy up, so to speak. Sure. Um, so I, so I use the information I'm seeing in my live rounds of golf and saying, Oh, you know what? I didn't really feel too comfortable with those intermediate wedge shots. So the next time I'm on the range, I'm going to spend a little bit more time hitting wedge shots from 40 to 70 yards. Yeah. Uh, so that the next time I play, I feel more confident in that. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to talk about practice. Um, there's been many books written on it. Um, but the main thing I would tell the people is just don't show up and go through the motions because that's not going to make you a better golfer. You might get a little exercise. You might reduce some stress by pounding your driver over and over again. Um, but you're not really doing anything to build new skills. And that's what's required to get better at this game. If you're a golfer, you don't want to be a diner that makes, you know, you go to those diners and they got those encyclopedia menus where there's like 150 different things on the menu. Yeah. And you know, none of them are going to be good. They're all going to be okay, mediocre dishes, but you can order anything you want. You don't want to be that as a golfer. You want to be the high-end restaurant that only offers five to six dishes, but they know how to make them really well. Yeah. And what I mean by that in, in the game is, is that, you know, if you're talking about wedge play around the greens, you don't need seven different shots. You need one shot that you know you're going to strike the ball properly and get it on the putting surface. Again, yep. we're trying to reduce big mistakes. Yep. Um, so my goal with that type of stuff is simplify your selection so that you'll feel more confident over the ball and you'll have less indecision before you hit it. John, where can, where can they, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but we're running out of time. You are going to stick around for sure. after hours, I hope. But uh, yeah, let's do it. Um, how do they find you? What's the website? So the best, the best place to find me is on my website. It's practical-golf.com. Um, if you're on social media, the, the only platform I'm really active on is Twitter. Um, you can talk to me there. It's at Practical Golf. Um, I'm going to be launching a forum on the site soon, so we'll have more communication between readers. Um, but, yeah, you know, reach out to the site. Um, you can always contact me through there. I I've become friends with a lot of readers. I've even teed it up with a lot of readers. So um, that's been the great part about doing it is I've just met all these great people over the last six years. Uh, but that's where you can find me on my site. There you go. Um, John Sherman, Practical Golf. Thanks for being with us. John is going to be around for the after hours. And we got to get out of here. We'll be back next week with another edition of Girling at the Green. Until then, have fun and take care of yourselves. See you later. Girling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.